were uh, they, they drove for a living. Yeah, yeah. And then playing at the end of the night was sort of the reward for all the, the driving. Place. But the job, the job is doing all the driving. It's true. All right. Well, so again, your new album's called Foxhole Prayers. We've been playing a few songs off of it here at the range, WGWG.org. I want to talk to you about your album. I want to talk a little bit about your career. You've, uh, I think you've put out like 10 albums. So, mm-hmm. you know, this you've, number you've 11, got actually. a yeah. body of work here and we're going to talk about it all, but could we start mm-hmm. off with a song? Sure. You're talking about uh, how being a musician is really just being a trucker. So this is a song actually that got I, I, the, the seed kernel of it anyway came to me one day while I was driving. So it's called Before It Falls Apart. The road is just one long diversion An endless gravel coercion Coaxing you to think Melancholy thoughts Leading you to distant places Where you'll see only strange faces And you could touch them If you just reach across We've already come so far It's closer than you think we are And we could finish this But first we've gotta start Before it falls apart so uncertain everyone I know is hurting most of us just trying to make it through the day caught up in a constant deadline we tell ourselves we're feeling fine as we fill up the hive mind for nothing much to say But we've already come so far We're closer than you think we are And we could finish this But first we've gotta start Before it falls apart Reach out and grab a hand Squeeze it tightly as you can Open your eyes, open your heart Cause we've already come so far We're closer than you think we are And we could finish this, but first we've got to start Before it falls apart Before it falls apart Before it falls apart Vanessa Peters live in our studio and uh, want to say that uh, that's track two off the album. But yes. if, if people listen to the album, 
um, here or uh, on one of the streaming services, they'll it, it'll sound different, right? Because yes. the album is not just you and an acoustic guitar. That's correct. The sounds full band. Full band. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, growing up in Texas. <clears throat> and did you grow up listening to music, or did that come a little later? No, yeah, I definitely grew up listening to all kinds of music. It was always playing in the car or in the house. And uh, I have an aunt who's a, who did like um, off Broadway stuff, and um, I did sing. You know, choir and all that kind of stuff but i i didn't really ever plan to be a performer in any way shape or form actually you plan to be a novelist at one point is that correct Mm -hmm. so what's that like to to, how do you think that kind of informs songwriting i think i write very tiny novels (laughs) i mean i i actually really um i always liked to write short stories and poems maybe even more. I never even started a novel, you know, right. I wanted to be a writer, but I wasn't even right. really sure what kind of writer, you know, did I want to write journalism? Did I want to write books, poems? Um, and I often found myself sort of going back to short stories and poetry. And I just sort of ended up merging that with love of music, you know? And yeah. Well, and let's talk about that because if, as I understand your story is that you finished your, your, your college mm-hmm. days and then you went off to Italy Yes. Well, that sounds pretty nice. I think I'll just go off right. to Italy, right? Well, so um, it probably sounds like I was just running around on a trust fund, but really I was working my butt off doing every possible job I could do to afford to get there in the first place. I I had done a study abroad in Italy for six weeks. Um, again, I worked like four jobs just so I could go on the program, mm-hmm. and I loved it. And when I graduated university, I was only 20, and I was supposed to go to grad school, but I decided I would take a year off because – I didn't want to go to grad school at 20. I thought, you know, I'm just like, I've got time. I can travel around or do whatever. And I really wanted to learn Italian. I already had a little bit of it under my belt. And I was like, maybe I'll just go back to Italy and learn another language and do some, you know, do some living before Mm -hmm. I go back to school. And um, I ended up really falling in love with with Italy and going back more and more often. I pretty much for the next three or four years um, would work a regular job during the school during the school year. And then the summer I would go and I would, um, mentor students at the study abroad program where I had been a student. And so, um, every summer I would go back and practice my Italian some more. And the fourth year that I did that, um, was when I met the group of guys that became my first band. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up just staying. Um, I didn't go home. I mean, (laughs) I was start. I kept going home, but I was in Italy more than Texas at that point. So let's, why, was there something about the language or is there a family connection to Italy that, that first Zero. drew you to it? It's just they offered classes in your high school. and um, So I, yeah, so zero family connection. Um, I've always just thought Italian was really beautiful. I had studied yeah. a tiny bit of it in choir when I would do, um, when we would learn Some classical pieces, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in, in college, I minored in Latin. I minored in, in classical studies in Latin. So I had sort of a basis for learning Italian. But um, no, I had no no reason except that just that most people that go to Italy do end up falling in love with it. And I fell especially hard. And so now for the last 20 years, I've pretty much lived between the two places. I um, I maintain a band on both continents and try to tour in Europe as much as I can. And, and is that where you learned to play guitar? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I bought a guitar um, right out of high school, and then it followed me around throughout college, living in its case in the corner, just sort of watching me expectantly, yeah. knowing I would eventually get around right. to opening it. And when I went to Italy that first time, um, 
and I was doing that work study program in August, everything closes in, in, in Europe, but especially in Italy. And a lot of my coworkers, um, had saved up money to go travel, but I didn't have mm-hmm. any. And so I stayed at the university where I had been working in an empty building, basically for about a month it was me and a bunch of ghosts. And, uh, I just learned to play the guitar or at least got started on it because right. I quite literally had nothing else to do. This was the year <laughs> 2001 and there wasn't, you know, there wasn't Wi-Fi in the right, building. There right, was no right. internet. There was no way for me to like stream a movie or, you know, and the town was closed. Right. I mean, it was, it was, when I look back, it's kind of funny. It literally was like, I sort of went on a writer's retreat without meaning to right. in Tuscany. So it worked So out. was there someone there that could show you how to play chords or no I had already kind of you know when I first bought the guitar I had watched a few videos and sort of learned like basic basic chords but I think like a lot of people my age back then I don't know if this is still how people do it but um there were all those websites like harmony central and guitartab.com and whatever where you could download songs that you recognize you know and I just taught myself to play learning other people's songs so um that's why I'd consider myself a songwriter not a guitar player (laughs) what was that moment when you said okay I like to write don't know if I'm going to write poems or or if I'm going to write short stories and then now you're playing the guitar, where's that moment where you're like, okay, I'm going to write songs. Well, I think that, so that same month I started like trying my hand at what a song would feel like, you know, but I didn't play them for anybody. And, um, I was still at the university working there and later that fall, some of the, some of the kiddos that were studying abroad that semester happened to overhear me in one of the practice rooms and they were planning to organize a student talent show for the end of semester Mm -hmm. at the little local pub there in this small hill town. And, um, they were like, you should play with us, you know? And I said, no way, there's zero way that I'll get up there and do that, you know? And they just bugged me enough that finally I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. You know, you only live once, et cetera. And I was so nervous. I don't think I've ever been that nervous about anything in my life, but, um, but well, I did it, played the, a couple songs, and lived. <laughs> the, exactly. The, the idea of sitting quietly alone in your room or, I don't know, on a mountainside, mm-hmm. as far as that goes, and writing a story or a poem, mm-hmm. and then the idea of getting up in front of a stage totally with your different voice things. and your instrument, mm-hmm. very different kind yeah. of thing. I can imagine that was... Uh, that was a, it was it was nerve wracking, but you know it's like all things that you realize like it's not as, it's not nearly as bad as you think it's going to be, right. and it's also a tiny bit fun at first, you right. know, and then it then it gets more fun. Luckily, it gets more fun and less scary as time goes on. And so from there, I just when I went back to Texas, I thought, well, maybe I'll try some open mics, and so I did that for a little while, and then graduated to you know the coffee shop shows, and right. et cetera, and here we are. What's the uh, genesis of uh, ice cream on Mondays? So that was my Italian band, and the the name came from. Um, most gelato shops in Italy, most gelaterias are closed on Mondays because that's just the day of the week that they're off. And, um, I, a little bit less now, but I used to be just obsessed with gelato and I would (laughs) would like twice a day have it, you know? And so, uh, Monday was always a real downer of a day for me because I could never have ice cream on Mondays Uh to the point where on Sunday nights, when we would have band practice, we would usually dash to the gelateria at like midnight just before they closed so we could, so I could get my fix, you know? Right, and right. because it was often after midnight, we would always joke that we were, we found our way to get ice cream, ice on, Mondays. cream on Mondays. And okay. so I, you know, it just started off as a silly thing. We didn't ever really mean for it to stick. I don't think, but then it did. And then, it, yeah. then we made th- three records that wow. way. So yeah. Yeah. it's etched in stone now. And I do note that coming up pretty shortly, <clears throat> you're going to be making another trip to Italy and play some gigs in Italy. Yeah. We right? have shows with the full band over there. Um, towards the end of October and through the month of November. So that'll wow. be fun. Yeah. Another band called the Sentimentals. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't know anything about them. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about the Sentimentals. So the Sentimentals are friends of mine from Denmark. Um, 
your listeners may be too young to be aware of, a, of an old site called MySpace. But uh, <laughs> when I very first started playing music and I was um, bouncing back and forth between Texas and Italy, I got a, a email one day on MySpace from this guy named MC Hansen. And he said, I'm a songwriter up in Denmark. I see that you're an American, but you play a lot in Europe. We are a backing band based in Denmark, and we invite American musicians to come up and play with us. And we form the band. Uh, we organized the tour, you know, we split the money and would you be interested? And I was like, well, sure. Why not? Cause at that point I was in uh, Italy and I thought, well, it's a short flight up to Copenhagen. Let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. I didn't know these people from Adam, you know, they could, I could have just gotten to the airport and found no one waiting for me yeah, there or whatever yeah. else. But at the time that didn't, I thought, yeah, let's just do it. Sure. So I went up there and we did a tour. This was in 2007 and, um, they were really great guys. We, we had a good time and I ended up going back a few more times for a little brief jaunts. Maybe when I was up in Germany, I would just go up for a few shows and then a couple of years ago, we were over there um, because my husband is a recording engineer and he was helping MC Hansen, who's in that band. And he's also a solo singer songwriter. He was helping him um, make a record in Denmark. And we decided, well, while we're here, let's let's try to track some songs with the sentimentals. I had some new new material. I hadn't figured out what I wanted to do with. And I was like, no, let's just see what would happen. So we, we went to a friend of theirs who had a farmhouse and like with a big giant open room in the center of it. And we brought the recording equipment and we just did like a live tracking session in the living room, basically at the farmhouse. And, um, that became the record with the sentimentals. And so then we ended up doing one more tour with them in Denmark in 2015, I think when that record came out, which was a lot of fun. It seems um, to me that a lot of uh, American musicians, particularly from, um, whether you want to call it folk or roots mm-hmm. do very well in Europe. So it's, there's a, there's definitely an audience for that type of music. There, there. sure is. People are really passionate about it over there. And a lot of times they speak English in large part because they've learned it from listening to their favorite, you know, musicians right. their whole lives. And, um, I, I'm always amazed at, at how warm the reception is sometimes in these tiny towns in the middle of nowhere where there's, you know, 80 people that live in the town and 40 of them came to the right, show that night. Right. And that just doesn't have, you know, Dallas is 6 million people and it's like pulling teeth to get six, oh, wow. to get 60 yeah. of them to come to a show, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think about the conversion rate in, you know, Nowheresville, Netherland is way, 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 way better. And I think yeah. people, yeah. it's partially just because they're really, really passionate about it, yeah. which is great. Well, well, you know, Texas is known for producing musicians and, mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, I would say or argue, well, any kind of music, really, but rootsy kind of mm-hmm, music. Sure. Um, not necessarily Dallas, though. You think of you think maybe of Austin, et cetera. What's the Dallas scene like? Well, the Dallas scene is pretty highly underrated, actually. I think a lot of people get their start in Dallas and then move somewhere else. Like Stevie Ray Vaughan is known for being from Austin, but he's from mm-hmm. Dallas, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, no one ever knows that. We're always yeah. like, yeah, Stevie Ray is actually <laughs> ours. But I, I think he couldn't get arrested in Dallas. You know, he had to go down to Austin to right. take off. But the old 97s are probably the, the most famous band that comes to mind. They're, um, they got their start there and, and still do, you know, homecoming shows every mm-hmm. year at the end of the mm-hmm. year and stuff. They'll do New Year's Eve shows. Um, there's, there's quite a few bands that are kind of on the scene growing lately there's a, a band that i'm on that's on the same label that i'm on they're called motorcade and um they're doing really well and i think that the thing about dallas is that the the music scene is pretty varied like old 97s is definitely americana folk rock although now they're more more pop mm-hmm. but like motorcade is almost more like like the cars kind of mm-hmm. like a modern person and then i have other friends that do really well in sort of the soul and r&b mm-hmm. world so i think um whereas austin is maybe a little bit more known for that rootsy 
direction. I think maybe the Dallas music scene is slightly more varied. I don't know. Now, isn't there a connection with this album and the old 97s in that somebody worked with the old 97s that worked on the album? Our producer on this album, um, who also plays on the album and is my husband, actually, and has made my last couple of records, he worked with the old 97s a number of times. He's um, He made uh, the... Which record was it? Was the one with Gravity Kills? Is that what it's called? Anyway, a couple of years ago with them, and um, has also done some remastering projects Mm -hmm. for their first album, Hitchhike to Rome. So Mm -hmm. they they all kind of grew up in the music in the Dallas music scene together. While I was off gallivanting all across Europe, all across Europe, they were making good music back in Texas. So, well, I'll tell you when the uh, new album came across my 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 listening station in the other room there. Uh, the first thing that really struck me is is the artwork. It's very yeah. eye catching. It's beautiful. Is, is there is there some story there? Yes. So there's a story on everything. <laughs> no, nothing is a coincidence around here. Um, so the artwork is done by a guy named Jack Dahl Russell. He is a Fort Worth musician um, who also does these amazing lino cuts, and uh, that's sort of his his main gig. Actually, he does mm-hmm. now. He runs an Etsy shop and all that stuff. And we had hired him last for the last album to make some of our t-shirts and stickers and so some of our merch. And be, because of this album's like, uh, because of the themes behind some of the songs, we thought it would be cool to do art that was modeled after the Grimm's fairy tales where, um, there were these sort of almost creepy haunted throwback images. Mm-hmm. And we wanted an illustration for each song. Oh, and wow. so okay. we asked him, like we sent him the lyrics and I gave him some, some, some threads to follow, you know, for all 10 songs and said, could you try to come up with different illustrations for each track? So on the liner notes, they each, you know, each one has their little image that accompanies it. And then, um, we had an illustrator out of the UK that is really great that helped us sort of munge the whole thing together into a cohesive piece of art um and then we've actually we're, we're working on the vinyl right now it should be ready in a couple more weeks and the the gatefold is really beautiful because we basically took all of the illustrations and made this lovely layout you know if you can imagine just opening like a big book it just kind of spreads all across it and it's it's really cool i but, do miss that from the old uh, from the vinyl albums mm-hmm. i remember the first couple that i i purchased and, and it's like you say you you open them up mm-hmm. and there's all these notes and there's all photographs and there's artwork and you know some of it's just so frameable yeah and and you, you, when you stream something and you're only streaming you know through spotify or mm-hmm. pandora or whatever or downloading it for dollar 29 from iTunes, mm-hmm. you, you don't get all that, and I miss it. <laughs> I don't know if you're, if I don't know if you watched my TED talk or if you just if you meant to go there, but that's exactly what my I did a TEDx talk a couple of years ago, and that's what it's about is sort of, you know, there was a there was a time period called the album age, is what it's referred to now, and it ended around 2000 when Napster took off, mm-hmm. and it was from about 1965 to 2000, and in prior to that, the record industry had mostly been singles, had been 45s with yeah. you know, A and B sides, and um. Now, in that period of time, there was like this huge rise of of albums as a thing where the artists, you know, put a ton of effort into the artwork and making one cohesive package mm-hmm. that precisely so you could sit down and listen to the record and read along and sort of submerse yourself in it, maybe for side A, and then you'd get up and go do something else. And then you'd go, you know, flip to side B or flip the cassette or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, we, I think that's, I think it's sad that we lost that. I, I don't personally care that much about having lost vinyl in and of itself. Like right. I'm perfectly fine with a cassette or a CD or anything else. What, what I miss is that we miss this sort of idea of like, 
of the album. You know, now everything yeah. gets stripped out in singles. And exactly. like, and I had to do that too. You know, this is the first record I've released on a record label and it was like, I had to have a single. And to me, I'd rather people just like sit down with track one and hit play and hear the album the way that I envisioned it, you know? And obviously I'm glad if they listen to anything at all, whether or not it's the album from top to top to bottom, but that would be my preference. And I know that there are increasingly fewer people feel that way. And well, I definitely grew up in this, that album period and, and you did, you thought of them as a, the album was the body of work, Mm -hmm. not this, not just the the track. Right. And uh, yeah, kind of missed that too. Some, some folks like you've just, just, Describe this album. Mm-hmm. You've done that, and uh, some people still do. And I, I'm, I always appreciate it when they do Thank that. Thank you. And it's a nice thing. Let's let's hear another sure. song. Sure. Enough rambling, Vanessa. I get I get really excited and passionate about those things, and then it's hard to turn me off. <laughs> we'll do this one. This is a song I wrote. Um, it's one of the first ones I wrote for this record, and it's about um, sort of standing up for yourself when you feel backed into a corner. And it's called Fight. I feared failure for a long time I suppose that I still do I just ran out of armor Got tired of being poked and examined Submitted for approval but always found wanting And I'm tired of always selling myself I've put my best foot forward all the time The rabbit I've been chasing is still further away My shoes have come loose and I'm tired But I never seem to remember Why I'm cut down by all their words and I don't know how to keep my defenses up Should be braver, and I know that it's absurd But lately I've just been in the corner Licking my wounds every night Get out there and fight, girl, don't be afraid to bleed Crawl back towards the light Don't be afraid to show your need Smile less and show more bare teeth Get out there and fight, girl Bring them to their knees And I always had a hard time making leaps Even as a kid I'd spend hours with my toes Curled around the edge Terrified of being pushed and screwing up All my courage And only when the others had grown bored and tired of waiting The fear of being left alone would push me towards the water, screaming all the way down. But it was never that bad in the end. But I never seemed to remember, 
Cause that part of the lesson never quite sunk in And I don't know what I'm so afraid of now I don't know what I was so afraid of then But lately I've just been in the corner Licking my wounds every night Get out there and fight, girl Don't be afraid to bleed Crawl back towards the light Don't be afraid to show your need Smile less and show more bare teeth Get out there and fight, girl Bring them to their knees Get out there and fight, girl Bring them to their knees Vanessa Peters live in our studios and you can catch her live tonight in Charlotte at the evening muse. And then if you happen to be up in the Western part of the state or in East Tennessee, you can catch her in Knoxville tomorrow night. Yes. And if you're in Italy, Hey, you can catch her there at the end of the month. There we go. Um, I was wondering as I was listening, listening to that song in particular, um, who you would say some of your, your bigger influences musically have been. Um, I'm a big fan of Amy Mann, always have been. Um, Sarah Harmer is also one that a lot of people don't know who she is, but I think she's fantastic. She's up in, in Canada. Um, another Canadian I love is Kathleen Edwards. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of on the female side, but um, I also listen a lot to to the Jayhawks mm-hmm. and to Wilco and Josh Ritter. Those are sort of my, I guess, my more modern influences. But okay. I mean, I grew up listening to stuff like Billy Joel and Elton John. I mean, I, I love a good pop song, yeah. you know, um, but I definitely over the years have become more and more of a singer songwriter person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Well, I mean, I definitely, I think I heard a little maybe uh, Dar Williams. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think I read somewhere, uh, some uh, maybe Rolling Stone compared you to Lucy Kaplansky. And yeah. That was a recent one from a, from a no depression review, I think. No and I thought that was cool actually. Cause yeah, that's, that's a, a pretty obscure reference that, that I like a lot, you know, gotcha. I, like a lot of people, I don't think know who Lucy Kaplansky is either. Although in the folk, in the folk world, sure. Right. Um, I think I often get lumped in the folk world and I never really think of myself that way, but since I write songs and I tour with an acoustic guitar, then that's kind of where yeah. I end up. I'm, yeah. I'm never really popping. I'm never really folk. I'm so, gotcha. I'm yeah. always hanging out somewhere. I've always the- thought, <laughs> I've always thought, uh, I'll date myself here growing up listening to, um, the clash mm-hmm. when the clash, particularly when they started bringing in like some Jamaican some uh-huh. Caribbean influences or even the police on the more mm-hmm. popular side sure. of things when they, they did the same thing, you know, that that's where the creativity is. It's sure. where, you know, not when you're pure bluegrass, but when you start bringing in other influences, it gets really exciting. And right. fun. Yeah. I agree. That's part of what's fun about making a record is I write these as acoustic songs and I want them to stand alone as acoustic songs, of course, but it's also really fun to go into the studio and say, okay, what can we do with yeah. this to make it different? You yeah. know? Yeah. So, and if folks want to find out more about your music and its availability, they can go online and mm-hmm. 
just Google your name and you'll find it. And yep. you've got a website and you're on social media and there are YouTube videos and there's all kinds I'm of stuff. I'm everywhere. You can't yeah, escape yeah. me. Once you go looking for you, me, you, I'll be there. You have, to, you have to do that kind of stuff now. I know. And that's another thing. Um, the business end of things. You've yeah. got to balance that as well. Yeah. And it's it's hard for somebody like me. That's part of what the beginning of that song says is like, I'm tired of always selling myself. And, you know, back when there was a record label, when there was a, a true record industry, there was there was somebody whose job it was to mm-hmm. sell you. You yeah. didn't have to sell yourself. Yeah. Maybe you did when you went on, you know, a radio station or a talk show, but you didn't have to literally spend hours of your day tweeting the things that you ate for breakfast and trying to be charming yeah. at all times. It's, it's yeah. exhausting. And it's also like, it's not my personality. There are some mm-hmm. people that are really good at that. And, um, I'm a, a fairly shy person on, in that regard. I'm not mm-hmm. at all when it comes to, you know, face-to-face interaction with people, but I just like, I, I kind of cringe when I have to share these things about my life. Cause they just seem sort of like, why do y'all care? Exactly. Like, you know, why do any of us care what any of us had for breakfast? Yes, exactly. um, and I've, I've tried to pull back from it a little bit. Um, but then, you know, like with the push for the new record, obviously like we're, it, yeah. we're real excited. Yeah. And so we're sharing mm-hmm. stuff constantly, mm-hmm. but I definitely feel like there's this ebb and flow on my page where you'll see these months of peak activity and then I'll go dark for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. Cause I kind of have to recover, you know, I can understand <laughs> that. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, I think we have time for one more sure. song. Sure, let's do, um, we'll do this one, why the heck not? Um, this is the single at a lot of stations. Um, it's called Carnival Barker, and it was inspired a little bit about, a little bit from the 1920s, uh, the Teapot Dome scandal and the years of corruption and grift that led to uh, the Great Depression and uh, all the ways that might be relevant today. So it's called Carnival Barker. The war was done and money flowed like black oil from the ground There was a tempest and a teapot dome But it didn't make a sound And every town you could find a talking head to tell you how it'd be How America could really turn a profit if we'd only set her free But there was this carnival barker we were all warned about They told us to steer clear of him when he came to our town You'll get a circus history told us if you vote for a clown But the grifters pitched their tents And the good word got drowned out So maybe around the edges, he was a little rough But they had a pitch and he said his lines And he talked real tough And they put our country up for sale Waved a flag and called a truce Now I lie awake at night Wondering what we'll do Cause there is this carnival barker we were all warned about They told us to steer clear of him when he came to our town You'll get a circus history told us if you vote for a clown 
But the grifters pitched their tents And the good word got drowned out Playing both sides perfectly Until they had us beat Now they're filling coffers in their towers And taking down Main Street And there was this carnival barker We were all warned about They told us to steer clear of him When he came to our town You'll get a circus history told us if you Vote for that clown But the grifters pitched their tents And the good word got drowned out The good word got drowned out The good word got drowned out Vanessa Peters live in our studio performing tonight in Charlotte at the Evening Muse and uh, performing in Knoxville. Uh, I'm not sure where, but somewhere in Knoxville. Preservation Pub on Thursday night. There you go. And then uh, you can catch her in Texas when you get back from Europe anyway. Yeah, we've got shows there uh, at the end of November, early December. So for all of you far-flung listeners back in Texas, mark your calendars. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you, guys. Uh, it's a pleasure. Through the rain to see us and uh, uh, say hey to Joe at uh, Evening Muse for me. I tonight. sure will. Thank and, you, guys. Uh, we're going to go out with one from the album so that you can hear how that sounds with all the other band members, mm-hmm. etc. This is called Get Started. Mm-hmm. 